it's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio, now coming to you from 19th century France. I'm David Leventhal. In case you missed it, of course, that was one of the show-stopping numbers from Les Miserables. On today's show, seriously, do you need to ask? Tomorrow's election day. The fate of the planet is on the U.S. ballot. So today's show will be all about the abject fear I am feeling about tomorrow and why. I don't want to exaggerate what's at stake here tomorrow, but I figured one day more When I'm recording this, it is one day before the fateful election day. And in the vein of not wanting to exaggerate what's at stake here, I don't think it's possible to exaggerate what's at stake here. I'm listening to the words again from the excerpts that I'm cutting out to play for you. And I'm thinking, yep, yeah, that that about nails it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that about nails it. Yeah. Mm. Uh Yeah. Uh huh. The only problem with the clip that I did is, is, is it has an optimism that right now I just can't feel. Not out of, not out of a sense, listeners, that I'm telling you that I think this is going to go badly. I refuse to acknowledge the possibility that things could actually be that bad. And so I'm hoping things are going to go well tomorrow. But the stakes being as high as they are, it's just... I won't afford myself the luxury of any optimism until tomorrow. I expect that if you're listening to this show, you're pretty much in the same boat I am. Where you find yourself shaking for no reason at all. Okay, in in my case, it's because my house is like 50 degrees. But shaking for no reason at all. Because all of a sudden it dawned on you that we basically may not have a country or a planet in another day or two. Because of the unbelievable dread that thinking people are feeling in this country right now and around the world. It's just around the world. There must be dread from all thinking people about what happens if the United States of America doubles down on insanity and brings these people back. What's at stake in this election? Well, let's not exaggerate. Just democracy itself, science, facts, Reason, the very concept of objective truth and reality. And I'm not exaggerating here. If the Republican Party gets to steal this election, objective truth and reality will basically be gone as far at least as the political discourse in this country, our media, etc. It will be just make up whatever you want. And live in that world until the world decides to tell you that you're an idiot by perhaps drowning some of your neighbors or burning your house down. What's, what, what's on the ballot? Basic human decency. Who are we as a country? Do we have a problem with babies being ripped from their mother's arm? The future of this country and of this planet partisan divide this country we keep hearing about there's a partisan divide how both sides in this election 
are so worried about the outcome and what it will mean if the other side wins because we demonize the other side. As I've said at length on this show, that's all true, except for the fact that one side actually are demons. The other side aren't. One side has reason to be concerned about the future of the country because those things that I just mentioned, democracy, science, facts, reason, objective truth and reality, basic human decency, the future of this country and of the planet, not to mention equal rights, fairness, all that other stuff. One side in this country is for those things and one is against them, all of them. Whether those with brains, decency, civic responsibility, and the ability to tell fact from fiction and feel the pain of another human being, whether we will continue to be ruled by those who don't and who can't will be determined in voting tomorrow or will be determined by voting suppression tomorrow. If the other side wins this, if the, if the Trump criminal organization and cult wins this election, there is nothing to follow up on our last conversations. There is nothing that they will not stoop to. Never again will be a promise. Those of us who grew up, which I hope is many of us, with the promise never again attached to the Nazis in World War II. Never again will we let that happen. That will be a promise that we did not live up to. And we will end up going down the same evil paths that Germany and its allies went down in the 1930s and the 1940s. I know some out there, are, are my Nazi comparisons overwrought? Does never again mean we wait until they kill a few million before we start getting worried? No, it doesn't. And I keep saying this, but this is way too close to Nazi Germany than any decent person in America could ever imagine finding this country. Let's hope we don't find out what happens if they get to steal this election. Because at this point, for most of us, it's too late to do anything about it. If they steal it and it comes to war, well, that's just one of the many dark paths this country can go down. Civil war. For the rest of you who maybe haven't gone and registered your vote yet, make sure that you vote tomorrow. Wait on those hour, possibly hours-long lines and make sure you get your vote in because we are fighting for our lives. Speaking of fighting for our lives, I don't want to... I'm going to continue the talking today about the election and, and what's at stake and, and what tomorrow and thereafter is going to mean. But of course, speaking about lives, how could we forget COVID? And as the numbers continue to go up, as we continue to set records... As we're seeing again, a thousand people a day die, record numbers of people contracting the virus, a thousand Americans a day dying. 
from this virus that the president of the United States and his political party didn't see fit to try to protect Americans from. We now see that there is a new outbreak in the White House of COVID. That's right. In the White House, as you, I'm sure you know, Vice President Pence's staff, including his body man, someone who's around him all the time, tested positive for COVID. The last we had heard was that Pence didn't, but whatever. If he does, they'll lie to us anyway. And they might lie to us about that, in part because the fact that everyone around him has COVID has not stopped this evil son of a bitch from continuing with his campaign schedule. It has not changed his campaign schedule that he, if he were one of 300-something million other Americans, would be basically, well, ordered in a civilized society to quarantine themselves for two weeks. But why should he care who he infects? Not his problem. He has an election to win for the dear leader. The numbers continue to sky. On Friday, more than 99,000 coronavirus infections were reported across the country, a single-day record. It hasn't gotten better since then. So, of course, the President of the United States responds to all this with the kind of leadership that one expects to see from our leader. Yes, he keeps telling us it's all over. He's running campaign commercials, listing as his accomplishment the fact that he beat COVID. You think I'm kidding when I say reality's on the ballot? The very nature notion of reality is on the ballot? Dr. Fauci, you know, that evil, stupid hypocrite, told the Washington Post in an interview published on Saturday that the U.S., quote, could not possibly be positioned more poorly to deal with COVID. He also said, we're in for a whole lot of hurt. Here is the nation's number one infectious disease expert telling us this. What does he know? Donald Trump, of course, is saying otherwise. And that's Donald Trump. So why should reality matter? He was complaining in a, at a rally recently about Fauci, leading his minions, his cultists, his human sheep to chant, fire Fauci, fire Fauci. According to reports, Trump listened in silence for a few moments before remarking, don't tell anybody, but let me wait until a little bit after the election. I appreciate it, the advice. So let's start with the fact that he riles these idiots up and is telling us that he is going to fire someone who brings reality to the White House. Because they will be purging the White House of anyone who believes in reality if they win. Let's also, I appreciate the advice the President of the United States says to the biggest fucking evil morons on the planet. And, oh, what's that? Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, I, I got distracted there for a moment. Um, Senator Martha McSally was rubbing up against my leg. Uh, no, 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 not, that sounds weird. No, the, uh, not the actual Senator McSally. Um, my family adopted a puppy this week and, um, 
we we wanted to get the puppies to behave well and think about them as obedient servants. So we've decided to name them after Republican senators since they continue to demonstrate what absolute bitches they are. For those of you who believe that cooler heads will prevail in our country and stop our march to despotism. You know, cute little Senator McSally here. She is she is a cute puppy. Just like the actual senator, I can do anything to her. And she just keeps coming back for more with her tail wagging and her tongue hanging to the floor. As long as me, her owner, her dear leader, notices her, gives her a pat on the head every now and then, that just makes her so happy. In fact, we've adopted a couple of puppies. One of our other puppies we've named Senator Murkowski. After Senator Lisa Murkowski, who, just like her namesake, this puppy comes in to tell me something and then decides, nope, turns around and goes the other way. She keeps going back and forth throughout our house with the inability to make up her mind about anything and stay constant. Just like Senator Mikowski, who took the brave stance just a few weeks ago saying this was not the time to rush through a Supreme Court justice in the middle of people actually voting and she would not support it. And then supporting it, pulling a, as we could say, Senator Collins, which to be fair, she's gone to the back bench right now because our third puppy right now is we're calling, he's a male, Senator David Perdue. And he is really cute because he just loves to hide under my desk. Just like his namesake has done since his debate, second debate with John Ossoff running to maintain his Senate seat, God help us, in Georgia. Where, during the second debate, he was so much shown to be an absolute crook as well as an idiot and had no response to that. Thanks to those who suggested that I go look up those clips. I did, and they are staggering. You just don't see a guy undressed in front of a national audience in a senatorial debate like this. So he's been, he refused to have the, th the scheduled third debate after he was undressed in the second debate. And now his namesake is hiding under my desk, just like the actual senator is hiding under his desk. Um, of course, I, I shouldn't be so hard on Senator Perdue. That was a little bit unfair. Uh, it's true when I shine my light on the puppy dog, just like Senator Perdue. When I shine a light on him, he just absolutely freezes. Except, to be fair to Senator Perdue, when it comes to his racist rants, like his mockery of Kamala Harris's name, that he doesn't back down from. Because I guess there he's on familiar territory. Shine the light on racism is okay in the Republican Party. Shine the light on being weak and crooked. Hmm, gotta draw a line somewhere, people. Anyway, so my family and I are thinking of getting a puppy for each Republican Senate tool who will do nothing but cower when Donald Trump, if he can steal this election, steals American democracy and ends it in favor of despotism. 
The problem, of course, is that there are just too many of them and I do not have a house large enough nor a wallet big enough to pay for, to, to, to feed and clothe all these puppies. Because there's over 50 of them right now. And that's just counting senators. I'm hoping to adopt some more, to, to wait to adopt some more puppies until after the election. When with any luck, if this country survives, I'll have fewer to name after Republican Senate tools. So continuing to talk about what's at stake and talking about the Republican Senate, let's spend a few moments parsing some of the geo, the big GOP lies of the week. Obviously, you just really have to be selective here. The show is not constant. Uh, let, let's start with what's going on. I mentioned that they rammed Amy Coney Barrett through into the United States Supreme Court to nobody's surprise. Well, here is the way the Senate Majority Leader, Moscow Mitch, the second most powerful politician in America, this is how he talks about the fact that Republicans have just stolen United States federal courts, including the United States Supreme Court, in order to cement minority rule for, well, the rest of my life, certainly, if things don't go okay tomorrow. Here's the second most powerful politician in America talking to the American public. The reason this outcome came about is because we, I should, I should try. Oh, the reason this outcome came... No, I'm not even going to do the turtle. The reason this outcome came about is because we had a series of successful elections, said Moscow Mitch. What this administration and this Republican Senate has done is exercise the power that was given to us by the American people. Exercise the power that was given to us by the American people. This is what the majority leader of the United States Senate has the nerve to say to Americans. A Supreme Court justice, as well as all the other Supreme Court justices and federal judges that they have installed, that were nominated by a president who lost the vote by three million votes. And yet, he gets to talk about the American people having voted. The president who nominated these people lost by three million votes. The United States Senate, who installed these people, represents fewer Americans and got fewer votes than the political party they rammed it over. I read that uh, someone speculated that the, the senators who rammed this through represent 15 million fewer America, Americans than the senators who were outvoted. 15 million fewer. I'm reminded again of this when I think about the United States Senate. That it has just been estimated that by 2040, 70% of U.S. citizens will live in 16 U.S. states. At which time, 70% of U.S. citizens will be represented by 32% of the United States Senate. And this lying sack of human shit wraps himself in the flag of democracy and the American people. Of course, if it's not lies, it's just the typical bumper stickers. Got to hand one thing to Moscow Mitch and Trump and the Republican Party. They know who their voters are. They know the kind of lies that they could tell to them flat out and just get away with it. They know that these are people who are capable of nothing other than bumper stickers. 
so they speak in bumper stickers. Here's Moscow Mitch again. They want to defund the police and take away your Second Amendment rights. They want free health care for illegal immigrants, yet they offer no protection at all for unborn Americans. No protection at all? Maybe the man should actually take a look at Roe v. Wade. They want to pack the Supreme Court with liberals intent on eroding our constitutional rights. Let me translate that for you. They want to unpack the Supreme Court to make it representative of what the American voters want and to actually enforce our constitutional rights. And they want to codify all this by making the swamp itself, Washington, D.C., America's 51st state. The swamp, there at least he's right. Under Donald Trump and under the Republican criminal organization, D.C. is a swamp. He has the nerve to say this in a week in which a U.S. attorney, a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in New York, came out and said that the Attorney General of the United States, obviously acting under Trump's orders, had ordered him to basically end an investigation of a Turkish bank at their corrupt at the request of their corrupt leader Erdogan to end the investigation of a Turkish bank that was evading US sanctions on Iran and dealing with Iran. The, you know, the member of the axis of evil that Donald Trump is supposedly real hard on. Not so hard, apparently, that it would stop him from doing favors for an autocratic friend who's presumably spending a lot of time in Trump hotels and Trump golf resorts. I was reminded this week, as I'm thinking about the election and the, and the pod, of course, I had several instances this week that made me think about how right now, I am embarrassed to be an American. I know, I know. That's How can he say that? Any, any conservative who wandered into this podcast is coming up right now and saying, see, I knew it all along, because that's it. That's all we care about. You're not, you don't have a big enough flag wrapped around you. But I am embarrassed to be an American right now. I did that in part, I, I feel that way, because I voted earlier this week. Well, I went several times to go vote early and finally ended up doing it when the line was only about an hour and a half long. I am actually inspired to some extent by this, by the number of people I am made somewhat hopeful by the number of people who are trying desperately to vote. And that's maybe giving me some hope that after tomorrow, I'll feel less embarrassed to be an American. I will have reason maybe for a moment to at least to feel a little proud of being an American. But an hour and a half online on a good day, as I'm spending my time sitting on the standing on the line, I'm thinking and worrying that at some point I'm actually going to have to pee. Actually, those were my thoughts. My first thought was I keep reading about these four, five, six hour lines. Are, Are people wearing diapers? Like, how the hell do people go that long without having to pee? Where I There's no way I could have gone and peed where I was. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But what kind of a so-called civilized country that calls itself a democracy can't get voting right? I've talked about this, I know, before on the show. But, but seriously here, this is a, such a fateful election, it will determine whether humanity survives, let alone the future of humanity. And 
We can't manage to get the freaking voting right. Again, uh, I understand the criminal organization doesn't want to get the voting right. But, but, but even with that, like, how is this okay? How is this all right that one of the two political parties in America is determined to make voting worse and harder than it already is? I think about the, the GOP war on democracy only escalating. And anyway, these long lines for early voting, this is in New York. I can't blame it on the GOP. Can we get this right at some point? Jamel Bowie, in an article this week, pointed out that he said it was sort of worth noting. Name a proposal that would enlarge the scope of American democracy. More states, a national popular vote, a larger House of Representatives. All things, by the way, that are we absolutely need. And Republicans or their conservative allies are almost certainly certain to oppose it. Name a proposal that would enlarge the scope of American democracy, and Republicans are certain to, almost certain to oppose it. And the fact is, Jamel Bowie didn't even scratch the surface for how bad things are and how bad this is. Forget not enlarging the scope of American democracy. They are against preserving American democracy, the very basics of American democracy, allowing people to get to vote. They're in court all over America right now trying to stop the vote trying to well it's war on democracy just gets gets worse and worse and this week just a couple of days ago we saw that the state of texas and they're still doing it the state of texas lost in state court but now they're in federal court trying to just throw out what is now about 130,000 ballots that were cast in Harris County encompassing Houston. It is a place where people get to know other people and live in proximity for other people. And people have education. Therefore, it's a Democratic district. It's a Democratic area. They, ju- they are going to court asking the court to just throw out 130,000 or so ballots. Now, again, the good news is this is one that we want. But when talking to people, and it's not over yet, in talking to people who are more sanguine about what's going to happen in federal court about this, I said, okay, let's say we win this one. How many hundreds of these or thousands of these are going on across the country in numbers too small for it to make the New York Times or MSNBC or the New Yorker or wherever else? How many counties are throwing out hundreds of votes? How many boards of elect? How many boards of supervisors are throwing out hundreds of votes that will steal elections all across America? So, the Republican war on democracy only escalates, and we haven't even talked about the fact, although I guess I'm about to, that they keep whatever the re- the voting results. Certainly, if Trump and the Republicans win, one will naturally have to wonder. How many votes did Russian hackers or other hackers switch to Trump? We, we can't even have an election we have any reason to have any faith in. And that's in large part, though not only, because Republicans don't even want that. The Republican war on reason as well continues unabated. In fact, it continues to be ratcheted up. As Barrett was sworn in, this week to the United States Supreme Court, I thought there was a remarkable juxtaposition here. 
Amy Coney Barrett is a religious extremist. She's going to rule in the United States Supreme Court based upon her religious extremist views. Is there a problem with that? Is Professor Leventhal bashing religion? Well, I found it interesting this week to see the New York Times reporting with optimism, with approval, about the growing Me Too movement in Iran. That there is actually in a repressive, extremist religious state, fundamentalist religious state, there is a movement to promote women's rights. And we, of course, sane people around the world are applauding this. And all I could think is say to my students, then why is America going in the opposite direction? We're, we're against the religious extremists ruling in Iran, but now we are busy installing the religious extremists in America based on the tremendously principled argument of my religion's better than your religion. We were reminded in the war on reason as Coney Barrett gets confirmed to the United States Supreme Court, we were reminded that Former Justice Antonin Scalia, late Justice Antonin Scalia, is her idol. And how much she reminds us of him. And how much the Supreme Court reminds us of him. In a concurring opinion, this is from, I think, the New York Times. In a concurring opinion attached to a 5-3 to three ruling against the extension of a deadline to count mail-in ballots in Wisconsin. Justice Kavanaugh, Trump appointee and beer lover wrote that Election Day mail-in deadlines are devised, quote, to avoid the chaos and suspicion of impropriety that can ensue if thousands of absentee ballots, absentee ballots flow in after Election Day and potentially flip the results of an election. Note the language there. If we count absentee ballots, it might flip the results of an election. In, clay, in case you missed what's going on there, Justice Kagan did not. As she poignantly noted, there are no results to flip until all valid votes are counted. Also, she noted that nothing could be more suspicious or improper than refusing to tally votes once the clock strikes 12 on election night. To suggest otherwise, especially in these fractious times, is to deserve the electoral process. Why don't you just say, my colleague wants to destroy democracy in America? I will. Kavanaugh should be hauled off in chains. But anyway, what was reminiscent of Scalia, this is Bush v. Gore. When Scalia wrote an opinion, the election needs to be done because George Bush says he's the president. And if we actually count the votes, that might threaten what he perceives as his legitimacy of the election that he just announced that he has won. That's what the guy wrote. It wasn't a quote, but it was a very accurate paraphrasing. Bush has stated that he's the president. And if we count the votes... Why, that might threaten the legitimacy of what Bush sees as his rightful election. Voting, counting votes, bad. This fits squarely within our recent discussions of they wouldn't possibly stoop lower than this. You wouldn't possibly cross this red line. Uh, okay, but not this line. No, 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 okay, but this line you won't cross. Only to find that it's done before the ink is even dry. I've long said, including on this podcast, that the most fundamental problem with the United States democracy is the United States voter. That, of course, was before this Republican criminal organization came to town. But, of course, it still represents a major problem in this country. At the risk of providing ammunition to the enemy, the average American voter is, shall we say, not quite up to the task. The Republicans appeal to the lowest common denominator, and that 
too often works for them. I, I On that front, I love after the last presidential debate, what's being hailed as a gaffe, as the big Biden gaffe of the debate, was saying during a debate that America under him would transition over time away from the oil industry. People said, no, you can't say that. I'm reminded of the fact that one of the oldest adages in U.S. politics is a gaffe is when a politician accidentally tells the truth. It is a reminder, though, since it is so obvious that this country needs to transition away from fossil fuels to save the planet. That in America, given the, the state of the American voter, you, you maybe just can't do what needs to be done. We're not adults as voters with no ability to focus on anything other than what is in your immediate self-interest without even considering what's in your future self-interest. Just the fact that I have to say I'm embarrassed, that I said I'm embarrassed to be an American, I had a joke about, ooh, that's going to that's gonna be ammunition for the other side. It is going to be ammunition for the other side because most Americans are just just capable of voting based on bumper sticker rather than what's at stake. Well, tomorrow, the American voter, or at least those who are able to get to vote and have their votes counted, will have the opportunity to write a very different story, a far more optimistic one and one that better serves the ideal and advances the ideal that America is supposed to represent. One that has America rejoining the civilized world in order to preserve the civilized world. Not that there's much at stake or anything. If you haven't voted, good luck. Stay safe. I hope to talk to you soon. Go out and vote. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 